the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. Let me give you a helpful quote from one Bible teacher, which I think puts this in perspective. He writes, most people who consider receiving Christ as Savior and Lord do not consciously inventory all their material, social, and other possessions to see if he is worth sacrificing these things for. When they discover the infinite value of salvation, they simply yield to Christ. Their focus is not on what they give up, but on what they receive. But if their redemption is genuine, their lives will evidence a willingness to surrender whatever stands between them and faithfulness to the Lord. Many times people think of what they would give up in order to follow Jesus and live the Christian life. They think that it's a real sacrifice to give up their life in sin and that the Christian life is a joyless and grim affair. But in today's Verse by Verse, Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, shows us how Jesus laid it out in the parables of the hidden treasure and of the pearl of great price. When we fully understand how wonderful is the pardon and salvation that God offers, we would be ready to forsake everything to receive that great blessing. We're in the middle of a series of lessons on the stories that Jesus told in order to teach his disciples and followers the truths that he wanted them to know. The two parables that we started examining last time and will continue today are two stories about the same thing. A person discovers something so valuable and wonderful that he sells everything he has in order to own that treasure. These two parables take up only three verses in Matthew 13, but they are so full of rich meaning that Pastor Steve needs two lessons to open it all for us. Before we get into today's lesson, I'd like to give you a heads up to have a pencil ready to write down the address or phone number of how you may receive a copy of Pastor Steve's new book containing some of the messages preached at Lakeside Community Chapel over the past 30 years of his ministry. Now, if you have your Bible handy, would you open it to Matthew 13? And we'll be looking at verses 44, 45, and 46. Here is Pastor Steve. In this parable, Jesus spoke about a man who found one of those lost treasures in a field. That's what the story is about. Now, we aren't told any of the specifics uh, about this hidden treasure. We don't know exactly what it was. Uh, we don't know how this man came across it. It's, it's not important to the story. He may have been a hired day laborer. He certainly was not a slave. Otherwise, he could not have purchased it. But he may have been a hired day laborer and discovered the treasure while he was working in the field. He might have been a man who was renting the field from an owner. Perhaps part of the treasure was just protruding out of the ground, and he just happened to be walking by and, and saw it. We, we, we really don't know. It's really not important. But regardless of how this man came across the hidden treasure, Jesus said, 
that once he found it and realized what he had discovered, he knew it was a treasure. He put that treasure back in the ground again and with joy in his heart because he knew the, the, the real value of what he had discovered. He went out, he sold everything that he owned in order to raise the money to purchase the field along with the hidden treasure that was in that field. Now, I, I want to stop here for a moment and address something, a side issue, but I'm going to do this so you don't stumble over this. Over the years, many students of the Bible have questioned the ethics of this man because they feel that he was morally obligated to tell the present owner of the field about the treasure that he found since they say it rightfully belonged to the owner and that this man was dishonest in obtaining the treasure the way he did. And the reason I want to address this is, number one, I don't think he was dishonest at all and unethical, and I'll tell you why. And number two, I don't want you to be distracted by this. That's not the point of the story. And uh, if you miss the point of the story because you're, you're so distracted by this, then that's really a shame. So let me, let me address this. Understand that this parable is not about the man's ethics, even if he was unethical, and I don't think he was, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But even if he was, the parable is not about the man's ethics. It's not what Jesus is teaching. The parable is about this man's willingness to sacrifice everything he possessed just to get this treasure. Now, keep that in mind. Jesus is not making a statement about this man's ethics. However, as far as the man's ethics are concerned, let me tell you why I think he's, he's fine and he was a very honest man. It is helpful to know that the rabbis had a law. It was rabbinical law in that day that when someone found a hidden treasure... On someone else's field, they had every legal right to keep what they found. Now, that helps a lot. This man was not doing anything illegal. The rabbi said, if you come across a hidden treasure, the owner doesn't know about it, it's on his field, you come across it, you have every legal right to it. So the man did have a legal right to this treasure because he was the one who found it, regardless of the fact that that the land was owned by someone else and the treasure was buried on it. And keep in mind, there is nothing in this parable that indicates this man didn't tell the owner about the treasure that he found on his property. For all we know, he might have gone to him and told him about it. But the owner didn't have a legal right to it anymore. The man did. In fact, we know this man was not dishonest because he, if he was dishonest, he would have just taken the treasure without buying the entire field. Nobody would have known about that. He found it, would have picked it up and walked off with it. The owner didn't know it was there. He was an honest man. If he was dishonest, he would not have purchased the entire field. So understand, the man was ethical, and uh, don't let that distract you. The parable is not about his ethics. The parable, and the primary point of the parable, is that this man was willing to surrender all that he had just to obtain this precious treasure that had been hidden in the ground for who knows how long. Now, we know that that's the primary lesson here. We absolutely know that that is the primary message of this parable, because in the second story that Jesus gave, he spoke about a similar situation in which a man found something so valuable that likewise, he sold all that he owned to purchase it. See, folks, that's the point of the parable. You find something valuable like this. Both these men sold everything they had just to purchase it. So don't get hung up on the on the ethics. And notice verses 45 and 46, which is a similar story, though the, the comparison is a little bit different, but the similar point. Again, Jesus said, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great price, he went out and sold all that he had and bought it. Notice the similarity. 
Now, in this parable, the story is about a merchant, not, not one who stumbles upon a hidden treasure in a field. This is a man, a merchant, who travels around the world seeking fine pearls. That was his, his livelihood. Jesus said that during one of this man's travels, we don't know where, it's not important where, a travel, though, in which he was looking for fine pearls, this merchant came across a particular pearl that in value and worth surpassed any other pearl that he had ever seen. This was unsurpassed in value. This was exquisite. This was exceptional. There was no other pearl that he had ever seen that compared to this. And he wanted this pearl so badly that he was willing to sell everything that he had, which must have been a lot because he was a very wealthy man. He did it, though. Everything he sold. All of his other pearls included, he sold just to raise the money necessary to purchase this one very costly pearl. So you can see from these two parables that the main thing that they have in common is that both of these men in the stories found something that was so valuable that they didn't hesitate to sell everything they owned just to purchase those precious items. Now, in, in light of this common truth, we need to discover then what's the, the main spiritual lesson that Jesus is teaching. We know it's about his kingdom, but what is it? So understand the, the story. Understand the basic story, and I hope that's, that's clear to you. That's the background. That's the meaning of it. A man finds a hidden treasure, sells everything he can just to get that one treasure. A man finds an expensive, valuable pearl, sells everything he has just to purchase that one pearl. So what's the main then spiritual lesson that Jesus was teaching in these two parables? If the purpose, as we've said, of the parables, according to Matthew chapter 13, verse 11, the purpose is to explain the nature of the kingdom, then the question is, in what way is a hidden treasure and a costly pearl like the kingdom? Listen closely. This is it. The primary truth that Jesus wanted his followers to understand, he wants us to understand from these two parables, is that his kingdom is like a hidden treasure and a costly pearl in the sense that once someone discovers salvation, which is just another way of saying his kingdom, they want it more than anything else in the world, and they are willing to give up everything to obtain it. Everything. In other words, the salvation that we have in Jesus Christ is absolutely priceless. It is so valuable that it's like a precious treasure and a priceless pearl. That's our salvation. Now, folks, that is the primary truth that Jesus is teaching in these parables about his kingdom. Both of these men represent individuals to whom the Lord was revealing himself. They're like the the good soil in the parable of the sower. God has prepared their hearts. They're being drawn to the Savior. And they both recognize, like lost sinners, understanding salvation for the first time, the value of what they have found. And the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price represent the kingdom of heaven. Or as I said, another way of putting it is salvation in, in Christ. See, once these men realize what a treasure they found in Christ, they are willing to give up everything they own to obtain it because they understand for the first time now its value. They've come to understand that there isn't anything in this world that compares with Jesus Christ and his kingdom. This is a crucial, crucial truth for all of us to understand about the kingdom. There is nothing more valuable. There is nothing more precious than salvation In Christ. It is so valuable, so priceless, that the men in these parables were willing to give up everything 
just to own it. Now, for those of you who already know Christ, think about the preciousness of what you have in the Savior. Think about what you have. Sometimes we don't think about this. Sometimes we take these truths for granted. Think about the forgiveness of all of your sins, not some of your sins, but judicially all of your sins. Christ's precious blood has washed away the foulest sin that you have ever committed or will ever commit. The very righteousness of Jesus Christ himself has been imputed, that is credited to your account, even though you are so unrighteous and will continue to be so unrighteous until the day God glorifies you in heaven. You have peace with a perfectly just God who has every right to be angry with you and to judge you in hell forever and ever without end. You have been given love to replace hatred in our hearts. Before we were saved, we had no love for anybody. We had, we had hatred and malice. You've been given joy to replace sadness. You've been given a new nature that enables you to live a life of godliness and purity, which you do not possess on your own. You've been given an eternal inheritance in all things, of all things in the universe, even though you may be poor in this world. You have been given transformed character both in this life and in the world to come. You have been given a relationship with God that will never, ever, ever end. You have been given the great confidence that after death you will spend all of eternity in heaven seeing and savoring Jesus Christ and serving him as well. And so much more. No wonder the writer to the Hebrews called this so great salvation. That's an understatement. Now, at this point, we want to be very careful not to press this analogy too far. And I want to clarify, these two parables certainly are not teaching that one can obtain salvation by purchasing it in any way. We cannot purchase salvation through good deeds. The Bible very clearly teaches that salvation is absolutely a free gift and not something that we can earn or merit or anything that we deserve. Let me show you this. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9. I, I realize that many of you already know this, but some do not. And I want you to visualize this. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Two of the most important verses in all the Bible, explaining that salvation is not something that you and I can earn by anything we do. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And what this means is that not only is salvation a gift, which means you didn't earn it, but even faith is a gift. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. And then Paul clarifies, not as a result of works, meaning our own good works, so that no one may boast. There will be no boasting in heaven. No boasting about how we deserve it. We're Any of us who will be in heaven, and that means all believers in Christ will be there only because of God's grace. We'll boast about Jesus Christ and nothing else. So you see, it's important to keep in mind as we go back to the parables that we, we understand that a parable merely teaches spiritual truths by using physical and earthly illustrations. Don't press those illustrations so far that they distort other truths in Scripture. And that's precisely the case with these two parables. Jesus isn't teaching that you can purchase the kingdom. Jesus isn't teaching that there's anything you can do to buy salvation or earn it. Listen very closely, you'll miss the point. The selling of all that these two men had in order to purchase their valuable items illustrate 
sinners surrendering all of their old way of life for a new way of life and salvation in Christ. In other words, those who come to Christ for salvation have to be willing to yield everything to him, and they do. They do, because that's part of God's sovereign work of grace in a heart that realizes its need for Christ. When God works in your heart and shows you your need for Christ, you don't come halfway. You say, Lord, whatever you want me to surrender, my old way of life, it's, it's all yours. I gladly give it up because I want salvation. Those who understand and value the gospel will never allow anything to keep them from salvation because God has made them so hungry for it and so desperate for it that they want it more than anything in the world and they are willing to forsake anything and everything from their present way of living, anything in order to know Christ. And, and listen, that not only means their obvious sinful practices and, and pleasures, but it also includes a willingness to yield everything that could interfere with having Christ as Lord and Savior, those subtle things that others may not see, but you know them in your heart, such as any material possessions, which may mean far too much for an individual. When they come to Christ, they're willing to give that all up. Or other people who may have, we may, may have made idols out of other people. We're willing to, to give that up, to have Christ, anything. Or how about our careers, which may have been made master over us and too important? Or maybe a career which someone wants to become a Christian, but they realize what they're doing, their job is just inappropriate for a Christian. Are they willing to give it up to have Christ? Absolutely. And even our, our very lives, which we have considered far too important, we are willing to lay down for Christ. Now, that's not my opinion. This is what Jesus taught. That's the point of the parables. In fact, let me reiterate this by the words of Christ in Matthew chapter 10. I'd like you to turn back to Matthew 10. And there are many places in the Gospels that say very similar statements to what Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 37 and following. Jesus said, He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. That's someone who's made an idol of parents. Not worthy of me. He's not saying don't love your parents, but don't love them to the point where they're on a pedestal and you've made an idol out of them, and they're more important than Christ. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. To take up your cross is not to wear a little cross around your neck. It's not to have a burden in life. It means to be willing to die, to follow Christ in death. And he who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. That's essentially what Jesus is saying in these two parables. That when someone becomes a Christian and God is really drawing them to, to himself, there's nothing that they wouldn't give up to have Christ. Nothing. Let me, let me give you a helpful quote from one Bible teacher, which I think puts this in perspective. He writes, most people who consider receiving Christ as Savior and Lord do not consciously inventory all their material, social, and other possessions to see if he is worth sacrificing these things for. Let me stop there and say what he's saying is that when the Lord is working in our hearts, we don't sit down and, and make a conscious list and say, well, I'll give this up for Christ. I'll give it. Uh, that, but, but that's our attitude. We're willing to yield it all, even if we're not consciously thinking through all the issues. He continues to say, when they discover the infinite value of salvation, they simply yield to Christ. Their focus is not on what they give up, but on what they receive. But if their redemption is genuine, their lives will evidence a willingness to surrender whatever stands between them and faithfulness to the Lord. 
In other words, those who initially come to Christ come with a surrendered life, a surrendered heart. Whatever they need to surrender to his lordship from their present way of life, they, they just surrender. That's why you hear a person, I'm not willing to repent. No, I'm not, I'm not willing to do that. Then they're not, they're not coming to Christ for salvation. They're not coming to Christ for salvation. When God works sovereignly in a heart and grants you repentance and faith, you can't be kept away from Christ. Whatever you have wrong in your life, you're willing to give up because he is that pearl of great price. He is that hidden treasure. And as somebody, a true believer, grows in their relationship with the Lord, their lives are marked by an ongoing surrender to his divine authority in their lives. But the point that these two parables are making is that those who come to Christ for salvation come with a willingness to surrender everything to him. Why? Because they know that there's nothing more important than this amazing salvation, and they're not about to let anything keep them from having it. That's why you sometimes hear people say, well, I remember reading a man who said to D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, you didn't get, I was in your church on Sunday, and you didn't give an invitation, an altar call, and uh, I was ready to accept Christ, but I, not, not now, not now. And Lloyd-Jones wisely said to him, you weren't ready yesterday either. With that attitude, it's not about altar calls. It's not about certain invitations. When the Lord is working in someone's heart, they will come to Christ. You can't keep them away from coming to Christ. You don't have to manipulate them with man-made devices. They surrender all. See, if there's anything in, in your life, if you don't know Christ, and if there's anything in your life that you are not willing to yield and forsake for the sake of receiving Jesus and salvation, then, then you're not like these, these men in these two parables. You're not ready yet to accept Christ. Because once these men discovered the hidden treasure in the pearl grave Christ, they gladly sold it all. In fact, the man with the hidden treasure, it says, for the joy he sold it all. There was joy in his life. He didn't count anything more important than knowing Christ. There was nothing they considered holding on to because they realized nothing was more valuable than the items they wanted. And that's how those who come to Christ view him in salvation. They don't allow anything in their lives to keep them from receiving Jesus. Why? Because, folks, as I said, he is that pearl of great price. And he is that hidden treasure. And I say first to those who may not be believers, if there's anything that you love so much that you refuse to surrender it to Christ to have salvation, then you really don't understand this salvation. You really don't understand the true worth of Christ and salvation. Because if you did, then you'd give up any sin, any evil attitude, all self-righteousness, any inappropriate relationships, everything for him because he's that valuable. Nobody'd have to pressure you. Nobody'd have to try to convince you. Nobody'd have to do some kind of human manipulation to get you to come forward. You just would reach out to Christ and receive the offer of salvation. Those of us who are, are already believers, we do understand the true value of Christ and salvation. I urge you to examine your hearts Because it's very easy for us as believers to become so familiar and so comfortable with being saved that we can forget sometimes how precious it really is and how precious Christ is. You see, it isn't just the things that he gives us, forgiveness and peace and joy. It's him. It's him. Do you savor him? Do you see Christ? He is the king of the kingdom. He is the savior of salvation. He is the Lord 
of our lives. It's not what he gives us. It's himself. That's why I said he is that treasure. He is that pearl. Have you become so familiar, comfortable with these precious realities that you've lost sight of their incredible worth? If you have, then this is a good time to repent before the Lord quietly, but meaningfully, and ask God to restore your appreciation for not only your salvation, but for your Savior. Yes, Jesus provided a wonderful salvation for us at great cost to himself. It is for us to fully appreciate and embrace this great gift. We'd like to share a resource for your spiritual growth. It's the new book by Pastor Steve Kreloff. It is a 207-page paperback book featuring landmark sermons from Steve's ministry at Lakeside Community Chapel. Some of the topics covered are the life of Elijah, Esther, the Beatitudes, running the spiritual marathon, how to find God's peace, and much more. This book will be sent to you for a contribution of any size to Verse by Verse Ministries. It's our way of saying thank you for your faithful prayer and financial support. Request the book by writing to Verse by Verse Ministries, P.O. Box 5884, Clearwater, Florida, 33758. Or call us at 727-239-0306 to request your copy. You may also contribute online at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Our email address is contact. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.